Before we get into today's game scoop, let's take a moment for a shout out to our sponsor, Squarespace. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create an awesome website, connect with your audience, and sell anything all in one place, all on your terms. With Squarespace, you can easily sell custom merch and create a passive income stream. You design your products, and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you, saving you time and money. You can sell your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical, digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. Use insights to grow your business, learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on top keywords or most popular products. Ready to get started? Head over to squarespace.com gamescoop for a free trial. And when it's showtime, use our special promo code gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Uh, viewers, I hope you enjoyed the balloons. Mitch brought them in today. You're welcome. Uh, Assassin's Creed 3 sold a few copies. How many, Damon? A few 7 million copies. What? Uh, okay. Okay. 7 million. That That's is a, a big number. I'm glad we yeah. had the same reaction. <laughs> Ubisoft says it's the fastest selling game in the company's history. Aren't they always? I mean, what? Just I feel just like every, that's what we hear every time. There's like it's because anytime anything keep, sells, seven million is a lot. I'm not saying it's not true. That's ridiculous. That's huge. Let's, right. Let's you know for a little comparison, uh, PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. I've heard of that. I think was a very popular game on IGN all throughout this year, just like Assassin's Creed Three was. That. Uh, it's, we haven't had. We don't. You know, Sony will not uh, release exact. I mean, it numbers. didn't even chart. We're talking that. sub two hundred thousand copies yeah, that's bad. worldwide. Hotline that's Miami bad. sold one hundred and thirty thousand copies. Yeah. Buy Hotline Miami. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's also not sixty dollars. No, fair. that's true. Um, yeah, the Assassin's Creed games just keep getting bigger and bigger. Everyone knew this one was going to be huge because yep. it brings things to America. And not that people, you know, are like I was super interested in Renaissance Italy, right? Just, like, we brought this thing to with America. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And it's working out well. <laughs> Seven million actually. Mitches on the way. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's surprising. I guess, you know, it's a very big franchise. Sequels always sell, you know. Uh, I mean, my thing is, you know, again, this, since this does bring th- brings thing to America now, no. like we kind of... Oh, <laughs> no! I also um, wanted to cross my legs. 
There we go. We're good. Everything. We knew fine. we knew this one was gonna be huge over here yeah. for that reason. Like the American Revolution. That's really interesting. There's been lots and lots of rumors. We hear about Assassin's Creed in Brazil, Assassin's Creed in you know Japan. Would those games sell as well? Well, the other thing that's interesting about this is that. None of us are that crazy about Assassin's Not Creed really. 3. Yeah, None of the people in this room, like yeah. obviously plenty of people love that game. But this room and like, there was enthusiasm our, in this our room. Our colleagues, uh, yeah. you know, in the industry. Like, I, I, I don't know one person that can tell me that they absolutely love that game right up until the ending and everything. Most people are like, I had some fun with it, but then it totally fell apart. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it didn't, it didn't get sevens and it didn't get tens. It's not really on any game of the year lists. It's, That's the thing. It's not on any That's game of the year lists. Which that kind of blows my mind. Like, that is not at all what I expected. Because having seen that game at E3, we were all blown away. We're like, yeah. holy yeah. crap. Yeah. This looks incredible. Did yeah. we name it Game of the Show? I don't remember. No, no E3 we did not. Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. Right. But game, Assassin's Creed was definitely in that conversation. It definitely got nominations for Best Absolutely. Action Game and Best, you know, platform, uh, 360 and PS3 and stuff like that. But yeah, when it came down to discussions for even, Game of the Year, yeah. no one said anything, not even for soundtrack or anything like that. It didn't even fall into some weird category. The soundtrack was disappointing, man. Even the soundtrack was disappointing. Ubisoft just put out another game recently with three in the title, and it's so much better. Far Cry 3 is so awesome. How crazy is it that people don't care about Far Cry until Far Cry comes out, and it's yeah. like, what is this then game? It's like, yeah. yeah. Mitch is so happy. Me too. I've never been more excited to see people in our office as thrilled with a game as they are with this. You realize that I said Mitch is so happy, and you said me too? <laughs> That's pretty cool. There are seven million Mitches. So. <laughs> um, just because you, I know you're like the world's biggest Far Cry 2 fan, and that game people love to hate on Far Cry sure. 2. And, and now it's like everyone, so. you're like, yes, welcome, brothers. Well, because now, I mean, Far Cry 3 fixes so much of what Far Cry 2 did wrong. And I, I did not like Far Cry 2 at all, and I love Far Cry 3. So if you were in a position where you didn't like 2, yeah, I mean. I've been going, every night for the past week, I've been going home just playing Far Cry 3 all night. Making so, wallets. Yeah. So great. And then you're like, oh, I don't have, I need to get one more shark skin. I gotta find a taper. All right, shark. Need to go find a goat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I could skin a goat. My big thing was I couldn't find tapers for a long time. There's like one spot in the whole world where tapers exist. Uh, moving on. We've also spotted a, a listing on Amazon for an, H, uh, an Hitman trilogy HD. Now, there was a Hitman trilogy released back in 2007. It was not an HD, though. So uh, this one looks like it will include Hitman Contracts, Hitman 2 Silent Assassin, and Hitman Blood Money. Interesting thing about that, Hitman Blood Money was already released on Xbox 360 as a current-gen game. It's already in HD. Mm. Correct. But, oh well. It's yeah, interesting that we're... Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, I just think it's that's weird it. that they'd be... That's like, odd. the end. Well, it probably says, for the first time in HD, mostly, on yeah. the box. You know? Two, two, for two, two out of three, three Two out of three ain't bad. Yep, that's true. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time we've seen Contracts in this collection, too, I think, because when they released the last collection... For some, I think it was maybe like a publishing thing. Contracts wasn't released in that in, in that HD bundle. No, doesn't Contracts include most of the original Hitman? Is that how it works? Uh, maybe. I don't know. That's how I understand. But I, I HD I collections are very strange to me because a lot of times they dress them up and they look very pretty, but uh, they obviously still play like very archaic games. Yeah, it's like you go back, you're like Jack and Daxter. Yeah, then yeah. you're like, oh. Yeah, you're like, Remember oh, when this man. was the best one? The this save is... system screwed up, or like, yeah. you know, the level progression's borked, or the camera's a mess, <laughs> right. but everything's pretty and shiny now. Not so. as fun as I remember. Yeah. Um, I'm playing through Vice City on iOS right now. That game is only 10 years old. Like, that's it. It came out 10 years ago, and mm-hmm. like, there is... Like, I mean, the game's fun. It's a totally great port, but the actual game itself, like, I can't believe that 10 years ago we're like... Oh man, they nailed '80s Miami. Yep. The atmosphere is so perfect. <laughs> like it's this blocky, boxy, black, boxy, empty city. Like yep. <laughs> stuff is pink, I guess. Yeah. All the mission designs, like tail this car for three days. And you're like, all right. And then and you fail. Ten years later, you're just... doing that in Assassin's Creed yeah. Three. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know why that still happens. <laughs> Seven million copies. So Hitman Trilogy HD is on Amazon. They have box art. There's a release date, January 29th, 2013, and there's a price of $40. But Square Enix has not announced it. IGN reaches out to Square Enix for confirmation. They give us that line. We cannot comment on rumor <laughs> and speculation. Speculation. It's on the internet. It's for sale. Okay. I can buy it. <laughs> yeah, we could. I could pre-order this right now, and you're, you're going to say me it's a rumor that this is coming? Come on. Square It'll Enix. arrive at my doorstep, and they'll announce yeah. it. It's true. <laughs> Um, the other thing I want to talk about today is this interesting uh, company where I'm hearing about called Green Throttle. I know I've talked to Justin about it. Have you guys heard about Green I'm Throttle? I'm unfamiliar. You are aware of Ouya? Yes. Right. This uh, console. Ouya. <laughs> it's supposed to come out next year. How's the root up noise? Was it? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Is it really? You guys didn't hear that? Wait. Oh, it's really funny. We'll okay. have to play it after it's this. It's kind of like the Sega. <laughs> it's just like some dude going Ouya. It's like yeah. it sounds like the Crash Bandicoot guy, and it's yeah. a real thing. It does, that's, that's, <laughs> and it's a real thing. Yeah, that's their boot up noise. Okay, really? Anyway, yeah, I believe you. I mean, I'm just surprised. Yeah, that. it's fine, Brian. We'll never know what that sounds like. <laughs> well, can we? I'm gonna have a the best boot up noise GameCube. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Uh, it's so cheerful. It's like it's, it's just like little wooden block. Yeah, oh yeah, broom. And you can change it. If you hold the button, it sounds even more baby. Hold art to baby. So. Green Throttle's idea is sort of like, uh, oh yeah, except their idea is that you already have a console in your pocket with your phone. So what they're gonna do is sell hardware in the form of a controller and a TV adapter, and then there's an app for your phone. So you just plug your phone into your TV, and then you boot up their app, and then that's your like console, your console. experience. So, cool idea. Pause. So yeah. I need three things to play my iPhone games, <clears throat> which I can just do. Like I, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but their their idea is that you know uh, yeah. this is a small screen. It's okay. a personal experience. Yeah, the devices are really really powerful now. Yeah, um, sure. This thing is this Android only or iPhone? Uh, Android is what I've heard so far. Okay, but I mean the the iPad three and iPad four, the screen resolution on those is higher than an HD television. Yeah, yeah. So. If you have a HD out and then you have a controller in your hand, your device basically is a game console at that point, if there's games that support it. That's, that's Green Thought Throttle's idea. Okay. So the controller pairs with your phone via Bluetooth, and then you plug your phone into your TV to have and The controller is this. Looks very, just like an Xbox controller, <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Right down to the colors. Like, yeah. The color scheme, the offset, the mm. uh, analog sticks. See, Mitch, you say you need three things for this, but the way I see it, and they probably see it, is that you already have two out of three of those things. Yeah. The phone oh, and really the TV? Yeah. I mean, then I need the controller, or the app, and wasn't there another thing? Well, the connector. The connector. Yeah, I'm but sure it comes with it. Yeah. Come with okay. that. And it, it, I looked on their website; it's like forty-five bucks for the you know everything you need to get going. Yeah. Um, it's a cool idea. It's just like any other console; the games need to be there. Yeah, right? yeah, that's the thing. Like what? Like yeah. Like there are good console quality mobile games, but they don't just work with a controller out of the box. Like they really need to work hard to get you know AAA companies on board. Like I played Final Fantasy Dimensions, for example, and sure. that would be a no-brainer if they were to work out D-pad support in that game. Personally, like the the kind of mobile games I like, and I, I love mobile gaming, but I love mobile gaming for the stuff that other platforms can't do. Something like Super Hexagon, which obviously is on PC now, so yeah, that's kind of a bad example. <laughs> but I mean, I, I mean, that's how I experienced that first. Was I was sitting on train in the morning, just playing Super Hexagon and on the plane and stuff like that. Things that are unique to mobile, or at least feel kind of unique to mobile, that I wouldn't get on my 360. Turning it into a home console is not how I want to experience those games. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to agree. Um, you know, I reviewed Modern Combat 4. Uh, that game looks great. You know, it's fully voice acted. The campaign feels like Call of Duty. It's got free online multiplayer. That game sucks. Kind of. Well, I, it doesn't suck. I gave it a... <laughs> it's okay. I gave it a... I don't, it's like what? the fourth bullet point on the box. <laughs> yeah. I gave it a positive review because Gameloft did the best that they could with a touchscreen. Yeah. But... I, you know, I'm tired of seeing these games that just take what works on a console and throw it on mobile. Like, you right, need to like build at that stuff point, from the ground why up am I, mobile. Why am I not just playing Call of Duty? But that game, like, games like that are perfect. Like, that's what this, you know, they sure. need to get in yeah. touch with Gameloft. Right? Sure, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the other big thing is we already have devices like this. Like, this is the MOGA controller. Um, our tech editor, Nick Vargas, gave it a 7.9. This is an Android controller, and... Uh, so the Cradle. The yeah, the cradle right? part I think is a little bit janky. Like it's got this cradle that flips out, cradle that flips out, and you put your device in here, and then you know it's a controller. It pairs mm -hmm. via Bluetooth. It's got two analog controls. Um, it's pretty comfy too. Yeah, it's pretty comfy. Like, like despite being tiny, but the know. Moga's really slick. And so these guys are doing something a little bit different with like the TV out and trying to make your mobile hardware a true console. But like we're getting closer and closer to like a really solid, really great controls. You know, di digital controls for mobile games already. So mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I think like the real game changer would be if Apple themselves this is it, were right? just yeah. like, yeah. this is our controller, it's optional, it works with every game on our store, we make that mandatory for people coding games for our platform. Yeah. I mean, it would obviously not retroactively work with the 14 billion apps on there already. But I also kind of have a problem with that because some games that are built with touch in mind are like super fun and wouldn't work with like other so controls. So keep the touch. Like that interface is not going away. This but is you only... said they have to use a controller. Well, I mean, it's, that it's an optional it's an thing. Option. Like if something you have something like Modern Combat, yeah. you can play with touch controls if you're stupid or you can play <laughs> with this thing. Stupid. Well, if I mean, if it's Apple's... Hey, idiots. <laughs> like cut the rope, yes. Yeah. Keep, keep exactly. it the way it is. You like, know, like that big... doesn't need dual analog joystick support. The big problem with any controller is getting the software to support it. Right. Like on mobile, you know, just like any hardware, the big problem with the Wii U is getting developers on board, sure. right? And so if it were an Apple product, look, this is going to be in all the Apple stores. We're going to push it hard. We're going to announce it at our press conference. Like, there'd be no problem. No problem getting I, developers. I honestly on board. think the biggest barrier here is like Apple's pride itself. Yep. And them saying, we have this one-touch interface that it's everything you'll ever need to do anything. You can browse the web. You can send emails. Yeah. You can get photos, you can play every game in the world, and they'd, they have to be like, and uh, here's 16 more buttons for it, plus yeah. some joysticks. That's like, it's a pride thing that I don't think I see them stepping away from, because all of their advertising and branding is about the simplicity of this white dude's Minimalism. finger going in yeah. and going over a nice shiny screen, <laughs> and everything working perfectly, and now they're like, oh, well, no, it also plays you know, Halo, and yeah. all this other shit. But it, that's a matter of them just going, you know, we're tucking your tail a little bit in this one, here, uh, now we're going to take <laughs> over the world of video games. Yeah, That's it. That's all they have to do. I don't know. I'm, a, I'm of two minds. Like, sometimes I'm like, Apple, you're so stupid. Release a controller. Like, mm -hmm. you would crush the Game Boy and crush all this stuff. But on the other hand, they're kind of... Finally, the Game Boy <laughs> is going down. <laughs> but, like, they're already doing that, right? Like, they're already winning. A little bit. That from their perspective, why in the world would they release some device that, you know, there's 100 million iPads out there, and how many people want the controller? Like, I would love it. I would absolutely die to get my hands on one. But, like, how big is that audience versus how many people have iPod touches and iPads like So Gama Sutra has put up a couple interesting articles. One is the biggest the five biggest surprises in video games of 2012. The other is the five biggest disappointments 
Thought it'd be good to go through the list here. Sure. See what yeah. we think about them. Some interesting things on here. Surprises first. Five biggest surprises in video games in 2012. Number one, Double Fine starts the Kickstarter revolution. That's true. This was, uh, there were lots of Kickstarter. We heard about Kickstarter a lot this year. Yeah, and we there did. were gaming Kickstarters before the Double Fine one, but the, the Double Fine one was the first one to be like millions of dollars past funding. It was the first really high-profile one, wasn't it? Yeah. I think they made $3.3 million. Well, and what is that game that we make? Do we even know what like, yeah, much it's, that Yeah, it's an game? adventure game. They've, they've released uh, some screenshots at this point yeah. and some art. And it's a point-and-click adventure game. Classic type of stuff that, you know, Ron Gilbert and, and the people there would have done, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day. And then there's Ouya, mm-hmm. which uh, is the most funded video game thing on Kickstarter, I think. I'm uh, supposed to be getting one of those in March. <laughs> Oh, you bought it. You funded it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, so you funded it? Yeah, I did. Nice. Yeah, I wanted. I just wanted a doorstop. It was a weird year for Kickstarter stuff, right? Like, I mean, I feel like it started off and then it kind of peaked. It was this big arc. We heard about it like crazy. And then I feel like now we're hearing more of the bad stories. Well, the bad stories. I also well, like, like um, there, there was one a few weeks ago. There was a Kickstarter project that was uh, $28 short of being funded. Oh, I which didn't hear just, about that. That's terrible. Which is pathetic. No, like, but surely they can just like, well, I'll just throw it. Right? In. If we were <laughs> all sitting here, money. we're sitting here, they're like, they're gonna, they're gonna burn down the rec center. But we got, we, you know, pull in six bucks yeah. each or whatever. Um, then the other one is there was another company that spent all of their Kickstarter money on just other garbage. Oh, so everyone just lost their money. Yeah, so they're they're all just they're, there's a lawsuit yeah. now and everything. So Th- this reminds you, me you have a strong stance on Kickstarter. So right? I was gonna say this reminds me of when we were sitting around when Kickstarter when, when Double Fine's Kickstarter first came out. We do our mo- you know morning meeting, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this Kickstarter thing is dumb. <laughs> and every and everyone's like, what? You were one of them. Alatano was one of them. He's like, you know, everyone called me crazy or whatever. And I'm like, this is what's gonna happen with Kickstarter. It's gonna be this really cool thing. Some games are gonna come out. Eventually, games won't come out. Things won't get funded. People are gonna abscond with the money, and there's nothing you can sure. do about it. Sure. And lo and behold, we're hearing those kinds of stories on a regular uh, basis. Now. I go into every Kickstarter knowing that it's a risk, potentially. But that being said, I've had positive experiences on Kickstarter. I've funded a couple of bands' albums. I've funded a couple of games. I have the playable alphas for some of the games that I've played and, and funded. So uh, We funded a, a little podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly confident that it'll... But it's, you, can't, you, I mean, you can't just say, this Kickstarter thing is going to be... That's like... <laughs> These people are going to be bad. Yes, most of them will, but there might be some good <laughs> I, people. I, I, no, I agree with you. I think that there's like bad eggs. there's some indie games that are cool, and you know, like the records that are being made. Board games, there's a lot of like you know yeah. tabletop RPGs that are being made, which is cool. But what really frustrates me, there's one thing that's being funded right now, or I, maybe it just ended with, with Sony's like PlayStation Move, Sebastian Joust game or whatever. Oh yeah, Hunt Sebastian. Yeah, and I'm like, yes. Sony keeps sports friends. What really annoys me is when big companies get in on this, you know, because it's like you, you're a big company, fund it yourself. Like, why is Sony? writing PlayStation blog entries and tweeting about this game. If you believe in it that much, which you clearly don't because you won't fund it yourself, yeah. then fund it yourself. Yeah. You know, I just I just think that Kickstarter is kind of is cool but also pie in the sky in a way. Like you need to have capitalists, you need to have money and publishers have money. Yeah, you I know? think some people uh, that I've talked to that have been part of Kickstarters definitely were doing it because they wanted they knew that uh, doing a Kickstarter if they could reach their goal would show enough interest that the investors would come. Yeah, like and they I, knew that they weren't going to be able to fund if, if it with you, just the Kickstarter. If you really want to paint a fair picture here, it's not the Kickstarters that have been successfully funded. If you Google, there's like a blog full of failed Kickstarters. Oh yeah, you go look at those best. and be like, all right, I have some faith here because it's not like every single one is like, we got this idea for this dumb game and we need a million dollars. People are like, fuck off. And for the most part, people said fuck off to a lot of really Last bad Last I checked, Peter Molyneux is 
Kickstarter still isn't funded. Yeah. It's like, why is a guy like that, one of the most prolific game designers of all time, how does he even have the audacity, <laughs> the audacity to go to people and be like, I need your money to make my game. It's like, dude, you're Peter Molyneux. I'm yeah. pretty sure you can go to a publisher and get that money. Right. I just think people, you know, uh, yeah, more, it's, 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 it's what you not, like, more power dude, to Dude, it's you, not that black and white, though. That's like people go, you're IGN. Don't you have billions of dollars? And we're like, no. Like, you know, we got these, had these posters up for two years. They're all crooked and shit. <laughs> you know, we got scuff marks. This table used to break all the time. I mean... True. No one's ever swept the studio either. I don't think yeah. ever. Ever. No, no, never once. No. Never uh, once. We've gotten through one of ten. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, okay. So, <laughs> number two most surprising uh, thing of 2012. <laughs> Steam's green light process opens the submission floodgates. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. And we've seen some Steam light, green light games actually go up. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it's still not entirely like open at this point like it's not like the top like voted games definitely get greenlit it's like they vote on them and and then and then the people at Valve will be like add this one this okay. one and this one and, and so like Valve was like we're getting too many game submissions we yeah. can't do this it's taking up too much of our time right sure and especially from a bunch of indie games right where it's like is the game even done is it up to snuff is this something the community is even going to want what is mm-hmm. the I, explain this because I don't know anything uh, about this it's just like a community voting process where like I could go up right now and be like, I've created this indie game. I would love it to be distributed on Steam. Here's a trailer or some screenshots. Vote for it. And so then people vote and they're like, I would love to see this on Steam. And eventually Valve it, it might take notice and be like, all right, we're going to give this person a publishing deal on Steam. And then they have to QA and sell stuff themselves. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like a group thing where they play the game and find the problems. No. Or no, but it used to be if you had a game, you just went through Valve. Yeah. You submitted the game to Valve, basically. Right. Interesting. And That's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. And so this allows them to see that there already is, is interest in a product and get it out on Steam. Smart. Yeah. They know how to make money over there. They do. Lots of it. They good for them. do. They're really good at it. Well, they make good games. Uh, number three, Zynga buys, uh, the way they word it, Zynga fills its mobile hole for $180 million. They bought uh, OMG Pop, the developer of Draw Something, for $180 million. Uh, that was a mistake. I know, right? Remember Draw Something? Everybody played that for like five minutes. Yeah. yeah, and then it was over. A lot of mobile games are like that. They're yeah. like, oh my god, this is amazing. Well, and well those guys left all the way to the bank. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> the, from the time they put it out uh, to the time Zynga p- paid them $180 million was six weeks. It happened really, really fast. I mean, I guess ma- unless if they, if they could strike... If they can strike lightning, or lightning can strike twice for them, like maybe that your investment will be worth it. But it certainly wasn't for Drossel. Well, yeah. I mean, this, is how, this has been a bad year for Zynga. It's yeah. kind oh, yeah. of over for Zynga at this yeah. point, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I just think that we're seeing what generally in, in, in this kind of game space, in the electronic space and stuff, just overvaluation of a lot of things. Hmm. Uh, we were talking about that, that program Yammer. Yeah. Um, like that was... that. Microsoft bought for like $3 billion. It's like, Whoa, okay. No like, they, uh. Uh, you know, or like whatever outrageous amount. Yeah, it was like an outrageous amount of money. It's like, yeah. when, it's like when Yahoo bought GeoCities for like $5 yeah. billion in 1999. It's like, that's the sure sign that, yeah, that was a you know, there's going to be a, a bubble <laughs> burst. <laughs> now, number four, Colin, is Sony, bu- Sony buys cloud gaming platform Gaikai. Yeah, that's a huge acquisition. Now, wh- I don't think what people realize about this acquisition is Sony wouldn't make an investment like this if they weren't positive that it was going to... Because it was like 300 and something million dollars to buy Gaikai. So they wouldn't... They have no money. 380 million. Yeah, 380 million dollars. So Gaikai is going to be integral in the new PlayStation. I think that's pretty obvious. Maybe Yammer is going to be integral in the new, in the new <laughs> Xbox. <laughs> the new Xbox. Yammering. Yammering Far Cry 4. <laughs> Um, so I, I just think that I just think that uh, you know Gaikai, the Gaikai acquisition was you know consider this Sony shut down three of its studios this year 
after never shutting down any studios in, in, from 1994 to, to now, except for one, Incognito. They shut down three this year because they're like hemorrhaging money, but they still spent almost $400 million on Gaikai. So, yeah. so they, they, they know what's going on, and I think that it's gonna be that the new PlayStation has basically ubiquitous cloud use um, with games, and they can probably just buy digital versions. Well, they saved a lot of money by not advertising the Vita. Mm -hmm. They saved a lot of money by not advertising anything at all. That's yeah, true. Except for Call of Duty on Vita, and I don't know why well, anyone would want to buy that garbage. There's some ads for a, a PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. Yeah, that never show the game. Yeah, that's what I don't yeah. like. Yeah. Rough. Now <laughs> it, you think about it. Oh, it's it's this guy yeah, fighting this guy fighting this girl at sack. It's like no one knows who these characters I mean, I love those characters, but no one knows who, yeah. who the hell Nathan Drake is. No. So gotta love them. Number five, The Walking Dead redefines adventure games. Ah, oh, fantastic. We gotta agree yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah, although I don't know if I'd put that in my top five surprises. I feel like uh, Telltale's really? been bringing back adventure games for a while. And yeah, but not, nothing, none of them has been as big as Walking Dead, right? I agree, but they've already proven that they can do episodic sure. adventure games successfully. Yeah, but consider that Back to the Future, like uh, Greg and I yeah. were talking this, like Back to the Future is not really very good. Mm -hmm. you know? And Jurassic Park, by all accounts, really is, is even worse. <laughs> yeah. So like, I yeah. think the big surprise is not that Telltale's gonna do an adventure game, is that oh, the th like, is when I turned this game on, I was kind of skeptical. You know? mm -hmm. um, I played them all one day, I waited until episode five came out, and then I played them all like, the Ooh. day before Thanksgiving. And uh, I was blown. I was absolutely blown away by The Walking Dead. Yeah. I was, the game plays not great, but well. There's a mm -hmm. few like hiccups where like it becomes very gamey and you can't really play it. Sure. But the story's riveting. The, the characters are riveting. It's yeah. just very I emotional. And uh, like a year ago, Anthony, like would you have believed that uh, we'd be talking about you know Telltale's episodic no. series as you know no. game of the year potential? That there would be a whole like spectacle on TV for the VGAs yeah, exactly. and everything. That those guys would be on the red carpet and stuff. I would like say that. that I would, but most people wouldn't because I love adventure games. But I would, but I wouldn't think they yeah. could have made an adventure game that would have appealed to so many people. Yeah. So I guess that is. Surprising. And I think it's 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 it transcends the license. It's not just like oh that popular TV show everyone likes is a cool fun adventure game. No, like that the game is better than the show. Like the game is really good. And there's a lot of people who've never played a game like that before. Yeah. Or even, you know, in the last, like me, I haven't played an adventure game in years. Yeah. And I sat down and I loved The Walking Dead. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge success right there. And that's a small team of people. Anybody has played Going up against, though. you know, Call of Duty and Borderlands and Halo and stuff like that. They should know the game is not based off the show. Based uh, off the well, comic, sure. same continuity as the comic, not the same continuity. But, as the show. but I think I think Altano hit on something really interesting, which is that it feels and looks a, a lot like the show. I mean, obviously mm -hmm. not the same fidelity. But what's cool is like when I watch the show and they're like in an abandoned building or whatever, and I'm like, you know, look in that cabinet, you know, look in that cabinet, <laughs> and they just kind of ignore it. But in this yeah. game, like you can go through the minutia and search the empty drawers and do. I don't know. There was just something special about about that game where yeah. I was like, I really sure. just like doing all the little things, you know, yeah. taking my time and and. What I, what I appreciated about that game, and um, it's something I was thinking about today, because Wind Waker turned 10 years old today. Oh, wow. And I'm I was old. just like, you know, that yeah, game right. still looks beautiful. And yeah. like The Walking Dead, I think, is still going to look pretty great in a few years, just because they picked this art style and they kind of stuck with it, you know? And I don't know if Call of Duty is going to look that great in a few years. Borderlands might, but I mean, just The Walking Dead is being like, here's... Like, so you're like, like, it ages better than uh, like Twilight Princess. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like, absolutely. Oh, yeah. no, no question. We're all the Wind Waker haters now. Remember, remember all the Wind Waker haters back in 2003? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, they were so wrong then. Mm -hmm. they were they're so wrong, wrong now. Is... They're begging for an HD remake now. <laughs> I'll, say something, I'll say something potentially controversial. Wind Waker, the last great Zelda game. Yes, agreed. Yeah, I could give you that. Agreed. <clears throat> all right, those are the biggest uh, surprises uh, Gama Sutra picked. Here are the five biggest disappointments of 2012. Here we go. Number one, Star Wars The Old Republic. I mean, it was a good game. It was a very good game. It was an excellent game, even I think. But 
I mean, I guess it was a disappointment for EA. Yeah, what happened with that game, though? Subscription-based MMOs are dead, man. Unless you're Blizzard. And even Blizzard, like... They spent a long time developing it. Like, they started developing it... That was the other thing, By the time it was released, the model has changed. When I went and saw that game for the very first time at the announcement, I think I was still, like, an intern. I had just gotten started, like, five years ago. You know, and the fact that it just came out, like, this much farther along, like... The game came out, and it was already behind. That was the biggest problem with it, right? Was that it... You know, it's like it's like when EA released Origin or when this came out, you cannot release and be like, all right, we're out and we're going to catch up to our competitors. No, you have to release on par with your competitors to compete and then get ahead of them. Like, they were, like, trying to play catch-up for a month. They weren't even as good as, like, a World of Warcraft, which yeah. had been out for years when they launched. And it was just obvious that, like, you know, it has the Star Wars license. It's a really cool game. But, like, people do not want to pay $15 a month. The value proposition for MMOs has changed. Well, I, I remember when I was talking to people like you, especially you burned through a lot of the story in that game. Yeah, I bet. And people were just like, we want more. And it's like, <laughs> you got 150 hours of, like, original new Star Wars story. And, like, we want more. It's like, well, like, if you look at, like, The Walking Dead, like, we had Dave Fenoy here at IGN. And he was talking about how he had, like, the script had 12,000 lines in it. You know, and it's just like, that's just a small team of people working on a game that was five hours long. I can't imagine what it took to make a game like, like Star Wars The Old Republic, you know, when they're trying to satiate all these oh, Star Wars fans at the same time. You gotta, gotta have a lot of Twi'leks in there. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long time in development. It might be the most expensive game ever made. Possibly, you know, yeah. I feel like all the time that was Quite possibly, it, like, yeah. And the release timing of it was weird, right? It was like right before Christmas. Yeah, right before Christmas, I yeah. remember that. Yeah. What was what was the? Do we know how much it cost to make and how much money they made? I think it cost something like $350 million to make. Yeah, but like... You know, they, they sold X amount of copies. It's a, what, a $50 game? $60 yeah, it was, it was $50. You have to buy it and then subscribe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that was the original yeah. model. At this point, it's free to play. Yeah. But right? like, so I don't think numbers have jumped up drastically, have they? No, I, I, not that they, not, not, not they enough that they've been like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're back. Yeah. You know, so. Interesting. I'd say it's, it's in trouble. I'd say any MMO at this point is, is in a bad way. Yeah. Unless you're World of Warcraft. Uh, well, d- what about Guild Wars 2? Guild Wars is okay. Yeah. yeah, they're probably doing okay, as I was about to say. <laughs> Number two disappointment, PlayStation Vita. Um, yeah, disappointment for Sony, not, like not this, a disappointment for me. Not like the console's me. bad, but like... No, uh, it's a great really piece good, of hardware. Good, it really, really is. Hardware. It really I will, I, I I will say that, that the, the amount of games on there that I wanted to play have been a little lacking. Like, it just... It, and, you know, maybe it's Sony's messaging or, or whatnot, but it doesn't feel like there's anything coming out. Even though I know there are things that come out, it doesn't feel like, like, here's your first year of your new console. There should be a crap ton of stuff coming. No, I agree. And a crap agree. ton of stuff on the horizon. And I feel like yeah. I'm, like, waiting still. There's nothing, yeah, mm-hmm. nothing there. There's no announced Final Fantasy game coming to Vita. Like, Final yeah. Fantasy X was announced two years ago, but we have never seen it. So. 10 for Vita? Yeah, so like 10 HD. Shock and we yeah, I mean, they, na- they remember at TGS two years ago, they were like, Final Fantasy 10 HD is coming to PS3 and Vita. And then later they admitted that like, they never even started working on it. Yeah. So, like... I think, you know, I think what people have to understand with the Vita, Greg and I talk about this a lot because this is what all we talk about is PlayStation because <laughs> we have nothing better to do, is I think that there's a few interesting things about the Vita. Part of why I think the Vita is failing is because I think the handheld market generally is, is over. Um, I think Nintendo probably has it. I think even if Nintendo released a, a handheld in five years, I think it would struggle. Um, it's, it, you know... Being a PlayStation fan, and we've all had PlayStation consoles or whatever, means different things than being a Nintendo fan where it's like you have kind of this association with uh, Mario and Zelda and all these things. Like a lot of the association we have with PlayStation are things that are older and, and PS3 was kind of a rough start, had a rough start or whatever, so, which I think tarnished the PlayStation name quite a bit. But I think Sony's not concerned about Vita because I still believe that Vita has some sort of functionality with the new console. 
And I think that the reason that they're not, not necessarily, it won't connect, I mean, it's not powerful enough to do what the PS4 does, but maybe some sort of remote play capabilities, some sort of second screen or whatever, where they kind of realize, like, we can get the Vita out now, let's see how it does, and we won't really worry about it because we're going to push it again when we announce this new console, and maybe they're even going to come together. I mean, Greg and I think about all these kind of, we talk about all these kinds of crazy ideas. The other thing is that, you know, the Vita looks totally devoid of titles next year. And yeah. other than Tearaway and Killzone and uh, Soul Sacrifice, I mean, you'd be really hard-pressed to think of one game that comes out next year. So it's, it's um, certainly in trouble. Yeah, so Gamasitra actually has a really good line here. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 2 Declassified came out recently. It was pretty bad, right? <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. Um, their line is, with Call of Duty all but assuredly a failure, the Vita's outlook for 2013 is extremely muted. What Western publisher will touch a system that Call of Duty can't save? It's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. I mean, yeah. pretty good. Yeah. The problem would go. I mean, uh, the the, pro the problem with Call of Duty goes so much deeper because it, you know, we don't really know the story right behind like what happened with Call of Duty. We know it was announced before Vita came out at E3 two years ago, but we also know that the developer that made it made a bad shooter in Resistance Burning Skies, and then in somehow, in six to eight months, made another shooter that's just as bad as, call, uh, as Resistance Burning Skies. Like, what do you expect? Like, we, don't, we don't know the story, but it's an age-old tale, right? Like, small group of people gets a licensed property that they have to shit out within two or three months, and result is terrible. Welcome to the video game industry. It's every movie-based title, TV-based title, everything ever made that's had, like, this is all we got, and this is the amount of time we have to make it. It's crap. No one makes a, a game of that, you know, magnitude in two or three months or six months or something like that. No, no, and, and what's really sad, and what the saddest part, I think, is that if they put the amount of time into it and just said, you know what, let's just delay it a year. Let's just delay it a year. You know, and, and get someone, you know, get one of their internal studios to work on it, Raven or someone like that, or, or Neversoft, get one of these guys to work on the game, give it the proper love, and then that could sell Vitas and Call of Duties on Vita for years to come. But now that you put your foot out with this game, people are like, well... Forget that. You know, it's the same thing with I'm this. Gonna go, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the best Call of Duty game ever made couldn't save the Vita or the 3DS because I don't think that's what the type of experience people want on handhelds anymore. It's what, like, when people pull out their phones and they play a game real quick, people like you and me are different, right? Like, I'll sit down and play a full-fledged Resident Evil game on a 3DS or a Vita or a PSP and really enjoy it and be like, this is console quality being on my couch. But I think most people just want that on their televisions, and when they're on the go, they want something quick. I mean, that, that hits on a perfect note, which is the, perhaps the Vita is just too little too late. Yeah. yeah. You know, and which I mean, certainly was in de development for a long time. So. Yeah. Maybe just too late, because I don't think it's too little. Cause it, like we were saying, it's a great piece of It is the handheld yeah. I always wanted. Yeah. It really it, is. It is, like, so, I mean, I say people get mad at me, and I don't mean it as really a slight to the 3DS, because the 3DS is a fine piece of hardware with fine games, wherever and I own one, but it makes the 3DS look so bad. Like, when you just put the games on next to each other, you look yeah. at the functionality next yeah, to each other, but what really matters are the games, mm -hmm. and, you know, 3DS has the games that people want. That's true. All right, disappointment number three, E3. Uh, their argument just being that it's sort of loud, tacky, and uh, increasingly irrelevant, especially compared to shows that are thriving like PAX. Mm -hmm. That just gets bigger and bigger every year, and there's, yeah. a, lot, there's a really positive I'll vibe say that, PAX. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, when we go to E3 now, it's like when people are like, well, at least you get to go to the press conference. I'm like, I don't. I watch them in a room on, mm -hmm. like at this point, you don't need to go to E3 to see the best parts, because the best parts of the press conferences, <clears> and you can stream those. They're all streams. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you don't yeah. have to read a live blog anymore like we did in the, you know, 2000 or 2001 yeah. or whatever. I think that E3 has always been loud and tacky. True. Uh, yes. But <laughs> maybe, maybe increasingly irrelevant, sure. But I don't know that last, year, last year's E3 was weird. We, we, for instance, we saw a game that was clearly next-gen mm -hmm. in Watch Dogs that like, they can't say is next-gen because yeah. the consoles aren't announced yet. So everyone's in this weird hibernation period where they're like, we want to show you things, but we really kind of can't. 
we're gonna we're gonna show you the same thing with Phantom Pain. We saw VGAs like that's clearly you know like even though it says PS3 and Xbox on that on the website, like that looks like a pretty game. Like maybe yeah. that's running on next gen hardware. They just can't put their cards on the table yet. And I actually have some faith in E3, you know, in E3 this year. They kind of go in cycles. If you've been to enough of them, we all have. Some are really great. Some are really bad. Some are in the middle. And I think that we're going to get a pretty good one this year. If we don't get next gen stuff at this year's, people will call it the worst E3 of all time. Oh yeah, but there will be next gen. The, yeah, It'll, the, the, the expectations. Enough, the expectations for this E3 and the last E3 and everyone before it are insurmountably through the roof, more than they ever should be. I, I think that is is kind of curbing that before you go into any of these things. But I also think, like you say, PAX gets bigger and bigger. It is, but I have a feeling that like that show will once again bubble up to E3 size and then become irrelevant as well because I, I think that the future is not publishers playing by those rules. It's them setting up their own events. It's them having their own streams, their own sites. Like, you know, Valve doesn't show up. Rockstar doesn't show up. There are companies that Nintendo barely shows up. You know, yeah. there are companies that just play by their own rules these days and they can just say one day, hey, we're going to put out a trailer for our game. We don't care about A3. And I think that's the future is all these kind of like micro events and smaller things. And having everyone under one roof and some big bloated expensive thing is not the answer. It used anymore. to be the big deal because it was like it was the one time a year you'd have journals from all over the world in one spot. But sure. nowadays that's not necessarily needed and you're right. Why, why sacrifice your game's FaceTime with a bunch of other big profile games when you could do something on your own? Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and still I also think about, I mean, you know, it was only a couple of years ago that the three of us went, you know, to Gamescom. And, you know, it, it can be argued that Gamescom is becoming much more important. And Gamescom much, and is like five times as big yeah. as the yeah. three. And it's a consumer show, so people yeah. kind of look at it as like, well, it's not really, you know, it's, not, you know, it's open to the public. And but, you know, we were there. Gamescom is a, a big deal. And I, I think, you know, as you're, you know, Europe's not a burgeoning market. It is a huge market for, for video games. And I think that if anything, Gamescom, you know, tr- trounces E3 in the next couple of years in terms of mm-hmm. studios showing things off there yeah. and stuff. Certainly PlayStation is much more important in Europe, for instance, than, well, that's than true, North yeah. America. Yeah, for sure. Uh, disappointment number four, Steam Greenlight. They put it as one of their surprises and disappointments. Well, surprises isn't necessarily like a positive. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Up, uh, the, their their comment being that it turns you know getting games onto Steam into a popularity contest, and what's popular what's popular isn't necessarily great. That's true, but the alternative is that maybe none of these games would ever yeah. end up, or a much smaller grouping of them would ever end up on Steam because Valve wouldn't give them the time of day or something. That being said. There are still other distribution services. Like I think Steam Greenlight is great because it gives people a chance to vote on these games and hear about games they like. For instance, there are people that have their pulse on indie games, right? They read specific forums and that sort of thing. But for other people, the only way they're going to hear about these games is through Greenlight. You know, yeah. and it's a chance for products to have to have a great trailer that can sell them and reach an audience they wouldn't otherwise do. And and if you're really not happy with it. And you think that it's a like a bad thing for indie games? There are other ones like Desura is like the best indie games distribution service. So mm-hmm. there are other options out there. Steam is not the only option. Yeah, I think it's a it's a benefit to have discovery tools like that. Like if I reach into my phone and I, I open up the App Store and I'm just like, oh, here's what they've deemed are the best or the most popular, whatever they're spotlighting. It's the only way I'm going to see that stuff, right? I'm not going to go digging through thousands of indie games and shitty little apps to find. You know, some little thing. That Why I, shouldn't it be a popular contest? Of course, everything is. We could go on IGN right now. We could pick a game that no one knows about. We could write about it every day for the next six months, and that game would sell 100,000 times more than it ever would before that, even if it was shit. <laughs> the power the, of Altano. <laughs> the final disappointment is something close to your heart, Colin. It's Mega Man's 25th, and a 25th birthday, and nobody came. Yep. Uh, Cap- Capcom is like, it's... It's been the 25th anniversary of Mega Man all year long, and Capcom hasn't done hardly anything. New Mega Man game coming out for free. Yeah, yeah no, so in December, 
at, and then Twilight of the Year, they finally say, oh, yes, we have a, a fan-made yeah, this <laughs> game is, coming out. This is like the drunken stepdad coming home the day after Christmas. He's like, ah, I got you some shit. From, oh, the, from the airport. Yeah, from the yeah. airport. Gift shop. It's, a, it's one of those fucking globes. <laughs> with the... It's, it's, emba- it's embarrassing. <laughs> how, how many companies have uh, beloved game franchises that date back to the NES? Right? Right. That's right? pretty rare. Yeah, I mean, that, you got a, you got a company like Sony, right? Like, and they're putting together they put together PlayStation All Stars. Like, yeah. Don't you care about these characters? These characters are like ten like, years old. Not like, really. Okay. Capcom's like, sitting there with Mega Man. It's like one of the most iconic <laughs> video game characters of all time. They're like, Ugh, gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't they don't uh, they don't understand what they have with Mega Man. I think I think that's pretty clear. I mean, I think I still think that when Inafune left, I don't think it was clearly on on good terms. I think that they frankly canceled Legends Three and, and Universe despite them. And I think that and despite that team. And I think that like they don't know what to do with it now. You know, you like Universe was almost done. Clements played it. You know, Legends yeah. Three was like they released a playable mm-hmm. demo of Legends Three, and people were gonna like have this. They were gonna do this really cool thing where you kind of give input, and they keep releasing it, and they yeah. and you, like we, the, we the game was. This, we were this fucking close to living in a world where we got a brand new NES Mega Man game every year. Yeah. They did nine, they did ten, and then why didn't just do eleven? And what, give the, him, make him fight Couchman. Give him a dog that turns into a bicycle, and then <laughs> seven more of those. And oh uh, yes, every year. Here's my, oh my money. Oh my god, I would, I would kill for that. every year. I mean, the thing about Mega Man Nine and Ten yeah. that frustrate me is that they admitted that those games were profitable. So there's no reason for them to. to of not course they were profitable. There were NES games in 2011. Well, I mean, to be fair, like to, to retroactively teach people how to use those tools, and I'm sure it was like much more complicated. Than people you yes. know, give, give them credit yes. for. Plus, they, like, not as complicated as to make a single yes. level in Lost Planet. No, no, of, of course yeah. not. Of course not. But yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, you know, you guys kind of alluded to it, and it's funny. You know, they have this PC game that's a fan, a fan-made game. Yeah. That's been floating around for a while, and then some, Yeah, and then some, sometime in November, someone's like, you know, guys, like Mega Man. Mega Man came out in Japan like December seventeenth, and we don't have any games yeah. for Mega Man's twenty-fifth anniversary. And they're like, oh, well, contact this guy. On this, <laughs> Let's go on DeviantArt see if someone drew something. <laughs> it's like, now, don't on, get me man. wrong. I'm gonna review that game next week. The game looks fun. It looks like yes, a Mega sure. Man. Yes, sure. it looks like good, it looks like a very sterile Mega Man game, like like the original Mega Man. You know why it looks great? Because Mega Man fans love Mega Man. Yeah, especially Ace. So Mega give Man. us something. But but yeah, they screwed the pooch with Mega Man. And while they said that they're gonna have more announcements and do all these things, or whatever, like I want to see the the, the proof. We need X9, we need Mega Man 11, I don't know why he canceled Legends 3, and I keep talking about it and some people think I'm crazy, reboot Mega Man. That's it, this would have been the perfect time to reboot it, right? Call it Mega Man. I, keep, I, I talked about it on Podcast Beyond this week, call it Mega Man, have it be like an open world yeah. game, and, and we're- You have to kill the nine bosses, you gain their powers, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I, 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 it writes itself. Yes, like, it's so easy. I, I envisioned it like Zelda. They had Splash Woman in the last one. Yeah, Splash, Splash Woman. Yeah, Splash Woman was also in They're Sheep just Man. straight, they can do anything they want. Sheep Man. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I, I envision it like like to play like Zelda. I said remake the original Mega Man. You know, two doctor, you know, two scientists work on these robots. One scientist turns yeah. and tries to turn them all. One resists. So you play as that that robot. There are like six dungeons or whatever that you have to find around this world. Mm-hmm. You go and fight them in any order you want. You get their their powers. It's like really dark, really gritty, like really apocalyptic. Yeah, and you're sitting awesome. there at the, at the end. You go, oh there man, go. we need a last level. What do we do? Are oh, we make him like, fight them all over again. Are we yeah. saying like super serious Mega Man? Yeah. Where he like where it shows him like ripping the arm off of the guy he defeats. <laughs> yeah, and that'd being, be like, badass. And reattaching it, and it's like violent. <laughs> I'd, r- I'd rather see them try to do something than they would try to ignore the fact that they have Mega Man and that Inafune grew tired of their bullshit, frankly. Yeah. And that's yeah. why. And that's why. Like Mega Man fans are very clear. They're very passionate. You release Mega Man Nine. Everyone's like, oh, they'll buy that. They, they just want it, and no one will buy it again. Mega Man 10 came out, sold just as well, you know? Yeah. Just, it's the same thing we talked about with Castle, old school Castlevania. Like, what are you doing, Konami? To be fair, I think Nintendo just passed the 25th anniversary of Zelda and Metroid, and those were great celebrations. Remember those? <laughs> nope. Yeah. 
I just don't. I don't think they have any. I, I don't think they know what to do with Mega Man. I, I think that they're like, we don't know. We, you know, we don't know what to do. She probably hire you. Mega Man, Mega Man. You have good ideas. <laughs> yeah, th there's <laughs> your. You know what, Capcom? Take Mega that Man? idea. Reboot Mega Man on the Mega Man One story in an open world dungeon crawling kind of game like Zelda. There you go. Millions of copies sold. You're welcome, Kyle Moriarty. I would play the hell out of that game Me too. Uh, those were interesting. They were thought-provoking lists. I like those. Yeah, it was good. good. Some good discussion. That uh, completes our final game sweep of the year. Wow. Uh, yeah, that wraps us up. We're going to take a break over the holidays. Uh, we'll return in a few weeks. But I hope everybody has a very happy, very safe holidays. This is IGN Game Sweep, and we're out. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.